Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Be willing to live in the place that you would purchase and manage it with integrity. Like if the AC breaks, fix it the next day, which is also why I like to manage my own property. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, you know Patch of Land, they've been on the show, representatives of their company have been on the show many times, they've been a sponsor of this show many, many times, they're back for more because they love you and they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates and that is that it's the interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best a lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and they've got a white paper for you and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Kathleen Shannon, how you doing, Kathleen? Good. How are you, Joe? I'm doing good as well. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Kathleen. She is the co-owner of the branding agency Braid Creative. She is also a real estate investor. She invests in residential properties. And she is the co-host of the podcast Being Boss, which is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs, as well as the author of the book Being Boss, which is a book, I imagine, for creative entrepreneurs. She is based in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, but soon to be a resident of 
Detroit, Michigan. So that being said, Kathleen, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, sure. So I own my own branding agency, Braid Creative, and I went to school as an artist thinking I would be a painter and never imagined that I would be investing in real estate. I was thinking about before I came on this show, the fact that I think so much identity is wrapped up in our homes and the homes that we buy. And it keeps a lot of people from buying homes. And I feel like I was able to kind of like make that leap and make it happen. So other than Braid Creative, my branding agency, I also co-host the Being Boss podcast where I'm talking about advice for creative entrepreneurs. And there is a huge overlap between entrepreneurship and investing in real estate and how you manage it and your different approach. Everyone has a different approach, right? So Mm -hmm. it's all very, very personal. It also comes down to numbers. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'd love for you to elaborate on the first part that you mentioned where you said so much of your identity is wrapped up in the homes and maybe the result of that might be people don't buy as many. Will you help me understand that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. Buying your first house is a huge milestone. I think that it is wrapped up in the same vein as getting married or having a baby. And it's not a decision that most people go into lightly. It's incredibly personal and emotional. And whenever you're buying your first home, you want it to be just right. If you've ever watched any HGTV, (laughs) people just get so wrapped up in the emotions of it. And I think that you have to really take that out of the equation whenever you start investing in real estate, because it really is a numbers game and it really is about building your wealth and building your retirement. And I just think that a lot of, especially creative entrepreneurs, which is my audience, I think a lot of them don't think of themselves as someone who could be investing in real estate. I think that a lot of them may have the impression that you have to be a millionaire to invest in properties. And that's certainly not the case, especially if you know your area and have a unique situation, kind of like Oklahoma City has. Mm -hmm. If I were a guest on your podcast and we were talking about investing in real estate, knowing your audience... How would you position that conversation so that it resonates with them and they're empowered to then go buy real estate? You know, I would probably start with the first smallest step. So what is the first thing that you can do to start stepping into a future of owning real estate and investing in real estate. So the first thing you would want to do is get qualified for a loan, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I know it sounds really simple, but that's the kind of thing that people, they're not, I would say lean into it by researching the market, getting a loan, figuring out what you can afford, really crunching some numbers. And I would say start with your own first home. So whenever you are buying your first home, don't think about buying your forever home. I think that a lot of people really overextend themselves with their mortgage by buying the kind of house that they think is going to be one and done and that's it. Instead, I would buy something that is a good starter home that would make a really great investment property in a few years. So that's what I would tell people is to start with your first home, the one that you actually live in for a couple Mm -hmm. of years, because then you're going to get better finance rates. You're going to get the feel for what it's like to even manage a property. 
So just the little things, like all Mm -hmm. the repairs that come up, you start to understand the expenses associated with owning a home. And then from there, I think that a lot of people think about renting out their home to someone who wants to destroy it. I feel like the biggest fear whenever it comes to owning residential property is like, well, what if someone just trashes my home? And that is a relevant fear and it does happen. But just like entrepreneurship, you have to trust that you can handle things that are thrown your way. Mm -hmm. You can get a cleanup crew and for 500 bucks, your house is looking good again. Or, you know, someone skipping out on rent or not paying rent and having to evict someone. I think that people go to all these worst case scenarios and it overwhelms them and they don't want to do it. When in reality... Yes, you're going to have hiccups, but it's just one at a time and trusting that you're going to be able to handle it along the way goes a really long way. Mm -hmm. Is that how you got started with your investing? That thought process? Definitely. So I got started with investing though, actually by living in a house that my parents owned. Whenever I was going to college, they had bought me and my siblings a place to live in. And whenever I moved out of that place, I managed the property for them. So I figured out how to get people in the place, which is just asking your friends, hey, do you want a cool place to live in? Or your friends saying, hey, I like your place. If you're ever renting it out, let me know. So it really is kind of this, it's organic and easy. So just like creative entrepreneurship, it's about getting that first client. And so whenever it comes to investing in real estate, it's about getting that first house and it's about getting that first tenant. And if you can get a really good one, it will get you started on a really good foot. So that's how I started. I was just managing my own friends who were living in my parents' property. And from there seeing, okay, there isn't some like nebulous, faceless enemy wanting to destroy the place. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And from there, I'm trying to remember, I married my husband and he was impressed that I was able to manage my parents' property and he owned a house. And so whenever we moved in together, we were like, well, hey, how about let's just rent out your house. So that's the way that we started there together with investing in real estate. Okay. You rented out his house that he owned. Were you also managing your parents' property? By that point, I was no longer managing Uh, my parents' property. I think that they were managing that themselves. They wanted to get on the fun. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. You have turned over the reins to your first management job. And by the way, this isn't your full-time job. It's something you're just doing on the side. And now you and your husband have decided to rent out the house that he had. And then what? Then that was a crash course in having that disaster tenant. So we had a couple of tenants and I swear, I think the house was cursed. I actually recently (laughs) sold it. I don't usually sell properties. I'm like a long game kind of person whenever it comes to my properties because my own goals for having investment properties is for retirement. Mm -hmm. Being a creative entrepreneur, I don't have like a fat pension or 401k. I do have a 401k, but I think that Mm -hmm. investment properties is a really great way to have a long-term retirement vision. So I recently sold the place because every single tenant was just a little bit of a nightmare as far as kind of trashing the place or not paying rent and having to evict someone and learning how to do that for the first time, learning how to garnish a checking account, which is never fun. There's nothing about that that I liked doing. Mm -hmm. So I managed that property and then I bought my second property. So this was a super cute house. This is also my policy is I always buy houses that I would be willing to live in myself. 
So I'm not willing to like slumlord it. And obviously, as I get older, my taste is a little bit more elevated. I probably wouldn't live in the places that I have now. I would. It just wouldn't be my first choice, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But Mm -hmm. I bought a really cute house and was super stoked to do that and managed that property. So now at two properties, with one of them kind of attracting bad eggs, Mm -hmm. I decided to hand over the management. I think it was after that first eviction. I was like, this is just too hard to do on top of having my own business that I'm trying to grow. So my husband's mother ended up retiring and it was a really great job for her to do part-time. So now she's managing the properties. Okay. The numbers on the second house, do you remember what you bought it for and what it rents for? Let's see. I bought it for 65000 And I'm always putting down 20% on all of my places. And I think now I have enough that I have to put down 25%, which is also great for you don't want to pay PMI on an investment property. And I think legally we have to have 20% down on an investment. So anyway, okay. So that house I bought for, I have the numbers right here. I bought that one for $63,800 and the mortgage is... $432 and my rent is $830. Okay. So typically I like to make about $400 profit and that's not pure profit because there's other expenses involved, of course. Paying mom-in-law, things like that. Exactly. So I like to make about $400 on the property to cover expenses and that's actually worked out pretty well. We haven't ever been at a loss. We've always been able to really fill all the properties. We've had just enough money in the bank account to mess with my taxes at the end mm-hmm. of the year. <laughs> yep, that's good. And that means you, you're lowering your taxable income through because of the depreciation? Well, Is that so right? Or? That, no, but I'm being taxed. I have enough income on the property. Uh- yeah, like there's enough profit that I'm paying taxes. Oh, the opposite. Yeah. Oh, opposite. okay. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah. And I feel like this is a whole other ball of wax, but I feel like it comes out of my paycheck because my income is the most variable being an entrepreneur. Yep. So yep. <laughs> all this hard work. I know. I promised myself I would never complain about taxes <laughs> at the beginning of 2017. I was like, you know what? I'm fine. <laughs> Okay, so 65000 did you have to put any money into it in order to get it move-in ready? I didn't. So most of the properties that I get are practically move-in ready. Sometimes I'll throw up a coat of paint on it or you know, just even in the inspection process if there's a few things that need to be repaired, but maybe a couple thousand dollars at most to get them ready. Okay, and you bought the second house Is that in the same area as the first one or a similar area? No. So you know what's funny is that first one was in Norman, Oklahoma, which is where the University of Oklahoma is. And that was a three-bedroom place, the one that it was never doing well for us. So my strategy with all my other properties moving forward is that they are in Oklahoma City. They're on the edges of historical neighborhoods. So they're not actually in the historical neighborhood, but right next door. And they're usually somewhat near either a highway or university. So like good locations. Mm -hmm. Okay. How many homes do you have? I have six rentals. 
after selling that seventh, yeah, that after was selling bad karma. Ugly, bad ugly karma duckling, house. bad karma. Yeah. House. Okay. Yes. And so I have six rentals and one primary. Six rentals, one primary. For each of the rentals, did you put down 20% and use the same type of loan program or did you change it up? I think that, yes, my husband and I also have a strategy where we each buy the houses in our own names. Oh, yeah. We kind of alternate every other one so that up until five each, we only have to put down 20%. Mm -hmm. Then after five, we have to start putting down 25%. And the loan structure was the same on all of them. Okay. 20% down, 30 years. Mm -hmm. 30 years, fixed rate. And I have actually refinanced a couple of them whenever the rates have gone down low enough to make it worth it. Okay. And are you using a local lender or someone national? I'm using like a national bank, but I've got a local guy. Got it. Cool. All right. Which of your homes is the least profitable and which one is your most profitable, not including the bad karma house? (laughs) Right. The most profitable house is the house that I lived in. So I bought a house in Oklahoma City and I blogged about it. And it's a house that I was married in that was featured on Glamour Magazine's blog. And it's the house that my son was born in. So like this house is kind of internet famous and that's the (laughs) one that (laughs) makes the most profit. And that one makes around $550 in profit. And that is before expenses and paying mom-in-law? Okay, that's basically income minus mortgage is that $500. That's exactly. Okay. And then what about the least? The least profitable house, I make about $375. Any lesson for us as listeners that we can take away from the most profitable versus the least profitable that you've identified? Hmm. Interesting. I would say even my least profitable house feels profitable enough. I like the amount of profit that I'm making on it. And I don't think that it's because of the house necessarily. The house that's internet famous, like, yeah, if you went to build up a blog around your house and live life into it. So I think that like breathing life into your homes, and that's why I like to buy homes that I would personally live in. I think that that's really helpful. So having a personal brand is also really helpful for filling your homes with good people that you like. But other than that, I really don't see a huge difference between Mm -hmm. them other than my house that's the most profitable. It is a three-bedroom, even though my strategy for the rest of my homes, which all of them make between $350 and $450 a month in profit before all the expenses of Mm -hmm. property management and repairs. So I think that all of those homes, the strategy that I've taken is that these are long-term investments. I want to hang on to them for as long as possible, especially while Oklahoma City is seeing so much growth and really just maintaining them, keeping them nice. So I don't know that there is any lessons between the two. You mentioned having a personal brand is helpful for filling your houses and that just right up your alley. You got a branding agency. How does that help you fill up your homes? I don't really know how to say it other than if you have 10,000 Instagram followers and a lot of them live in the city that you live in and then you have a house available for rent, 
you can throw the house up on Instagram and say, hey, I've got a space. And then people start knowing you for having these really cute, cool houses. So I have people year round asking me, hey, do you have anything available? And usually not. Usually my places are filled. But then whenever I do, I just throw it up on Instagram, like in an Instagram story. I'm not even posting it. And people are really excited. And usually I get a good lead that way. Wow. So you have a social media following and you post about it. And then people who live in that city are interested and then they end up renting from you. Correct. Wow. Cool. I see people do this with Airbnbs and kind of more destination places. And this is something I would do if it were my full-time job. If it were my full-time job to manage properties, and even now as I'm looking for a place to rent in Detroit, I'm seeing how far really good photos and just a little bit of aesthetic Like, don't go for the five-gallon bucket of the cheapest Band-Aid colored paints that you can find. Whitewash your house. Like, make it beautiful and clean and airy and bright. Take your photos during the day. Hire a photographer. Like, it is worth thinking of your house as a brand and treating it as such in order to get good tenants and maybe like a couple hundred extra bucks a month in rent. Oh, yeah. That's great advice. And I sincerely appreciate you giving that. And we're going to dig even more into this because I've got the question that I ask all my guests and that is, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say buy properties that you'd be willing to live in. Yep. I think that there is so much integrity in that, especially for my audience. I know a bunch of real estate dudes that are making good money on these huge properties that are kind of gross. And I don't know. To me, like no offense if this is you or any of your listeners, <laughs> I started to like think, okay, maybe I need to like do what the millionaires are doing, right? But to me, it just doesn't feel quite aligned, at least right now with my goals and really what I'm wanting out of this. And so for me, whenever it comes to the brand that I have and the brand I'm trying to carry out through everything I do is just a reputation of a cool place to live in or a cool branding agency to work with. And that's really what I'm trying to carry through. So be willing to live in the place that you would purchase and manage it with integrity. Like if the AC breaks, fix it the next day, which is also why I like to manage my own properties or like have my mother-in-law do it (laughs) because I like to treat my people good. So that would be my biggest piece of advice truly is just be a good person, buy good properties. I don't think anyone would argue with that or want to publicly argue with being a good person is not the right approach. So (laughs) I I wholeheartedly embrace that. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, let's do it. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com. All right, Kathleen, best ever book you've read? 
Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Oh, yeah. She's got a good TED Talk. She's got a couple yeah. TED Talks, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One she, of the most watched. Yeah, yeah. She, I think she a professor in, somewhere in Houston. She yeah, she's Houston an place? author and researcher in Houston. And mm-hmm. funny enough, I blogged about that book, and she ended up hiring me to do her personal branding before she went on Oprah. Holy cow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But it is an incredible book just as far as showing up and being seen, and it's a must-read for everybody. Best ever deal you've done that you and I have not talked about yet. Like business deal? Anything. Could be one of your homes or could be business deal, however you want to interpret that. Well, I just wrote a book and it is being traditionally published and going through that deal feels huge. That was such an honor to be able to write a book and to be picked up by Running Press. So that's a pretty cool deal. Outstanding. Congrats on that. What are some takeaways or what would be the reason why we read it? A lot of people ask me, how do you get it all done? Like, how are you doing it all? Running, being boss, which has become like a chart topping podcast. How am I running a branding agency? I have a toddler. I have investment properties. So I get asked all the time, how do you do it all? And all of my tips and tricks and mindsets and habits and routines are all in that book. What's a mistake you've made on a real estate transaction? Renting to people whenever my gut said no. I don't even know if that's legal to say. <laughs> no, there, there's always legal but ways you can turn I had, down. I, I had a gut check. I think I was so desperate to fill my first space that I rented to the first person who came along and now I know better. And there were some red flags that I can mention, like essentially saying like, can you not call my current landlord? And here's the deal. I need to give you $40 today and then I can give you the other 80 on Friday. Just stuff like that. And now I know better. So trust those red flags and trust that you're going to find someone else to rent your place. Best ever way you like to give back? I love generously sharing my gifts of knowledge on things like this podcast and my own podcast. I love mentoring college students who are freaked out about being artists for a living. So I love giving back in that way. But of course, picking some of my favorite charities and organizations that I believe in and giving my time and money to those places as well. How can the best ever listeners purchase your book and listen to your podcast or just connect with you? Oh, yeah. So the podcast is called Being Boss. You can listen to that wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can learn more about the book at beingboss.club slash book. You can also buy it wherever books are sold. Well, Kathleen, thank you for being on the show and talking to us about how you have built your real estate investing business. And also from a creative entrepreneurial standpoint, for any or all best ever listeners who are creative entrepreneurs, because we are all entrepreneurs. As real estate investors, we're entrepreneurs. But from a creative entrepreneur standpoint, not all of us will identify with that, but some will. And for those of you who do identify with being a creative entrepreneur, sometimes perhaps the worst case scenarios come to mind for what could happen. And as you mentioned, No, there are solutions to the worst case scenarios and they might not even come up even if they do. Totally. And even more than that, just trust that you'll be able to deal with it. That it's usually even the worst case scenario isn't that bad. And then the first step is 
just focus on the smallest first step, as you said, and that's just get qualified for the loan and then continue to go from there. As you just said, trust in yourself and in the process. Other people have done it before you. You'll be able to do it too with the right mentality and tactics. And then also, as you mentioned, having a personal brand is incredibly helpful for your bottom line from a real estate standpoint. Fill in the vacancies at your properties as well as your overall approach of, well, being a good person, first and foremost. And then from a more tactical standpoint, having beautiful, clean, airy, bright homes, to use your words, so that you're proud of the product that you have and you're able to be consistent throughout all your businesses that you're involved in with your overall approach. So really grateful. Congrats on the book. We'll have a link to your website in the show notes page where everyone can get the book. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com.